as it started to really overtake me, I said, okay, wow, this is beautiful. But am I still sober? Do I have to let that go, you know? Because my sobriety is... It's the biggest gift God has ever given me, apart from being born. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know. To be released from that. I know. Welcome to Going Within, the podcast where I, David Naylor, and our guests dive deep, sharing our transformative journeys with psychedelic therapy and other awakening experiences. As the founder of Within, a psychedelic assisted therapy clinic in Austin, Texas, I'm dedicated to helping others find profound healing and consciousness expansion using ketamine in a ceremonial approach. Join us as we explore the life-changing potential of Going Within in listening to inspiring stories of transformation from various life experiences and ceremonies. Thank you for honoring me with your presence and attention today, and I'm so grateful that you're here in all of your infinite wisdom. Now, let's go within. Luke's story needs no introduction. However, he is a writer, meditation, and metaphysics teacher, and lifestyle design expert who shares transformative principles of health, addiction recovery, and spirituality. He's the host of the top-rated Lifestylist podcast, which he launched in 2016. His teachings combine primal health and ancient spiritual practices with the most cutting-edge natural healing and consciousness-expanding technologies. If you all want to hear a podcast that goes so in-depth about an incredible man, then you want to tune into this podcast. Tell us about this shirt you're wearing, Dare. Well, I had the sense that we were going to be talking at least in some part about psychedelics and I love this message of this particular shirt drink ayahuasca remember everything because it's so specifically true and out of the many spiritual experiences I've had through psychedelics or otherwise uh, no other medicine has given me access to my past and and not only access to my past but within the space of what could best be described perhaps as quantum travel (laughs) to be able to access the past and go in and rewrite it right and heal things that are so deeply entrenched in the subconscious and in the body and to be able to go in and um, remember things. For example, one of the most meaningful memories um, that really informed my healing journey and also helped me really decipher what my sense of isolation and loneliness has been in my life was one particular night in an ayahuasca ceremony uh, that would classically be (laughs) determined a nada, meaning like no discernible psychoactive effect was experienced. It was a really challenging night. It was a Colombian medicine, uh, yaje, Mm. particular brew Mm. of ayahuasca. Mm. And uh, it was was one of the most challenging because I, I just couldn't seem to get there. And I just felt nauseous and uncomfortable and couldn't sleep, didn't purge, it just didn't land. It did, so I'm on the mat waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Eventually, a few hours into the night, 
I dozed off for a few minutes and just kind of gave up. It's like, okay, I'm just going to surrender to this because it's not supposed to happen for me tonight. And I dozed off in kind of a little short daydream in the middle of the night, a night dream, uh, and had this, a vision is even too strong, just kind of like a faint stream of thoughts wherein I saw myself walking into this building through a door and it was revealed that it was a hospital and then I walked down a hall and walked through another door and it was a hospital suite in which I was being born. Mm. And so there was my mom and Mm. I I come out of my mom and Mm. there's a squad of nurses around my mom and they take me and they put me on my mom's chest Mm. and she's just ecstatic by my presence. And, um, and then the nurses kind of quickly whisk me away and put me in this other room s- separate from, from my mom and anyone else present in an incubator. And that was kind of it. It wasn't like a traumatic memory. It was just, it was, it was very matter of fact. Now, I knew that I had been in an incubator because my grandmother on my father's side used to tell me how cute I was the day I was born. They would come and, and visit me. But the next day, I sent my mom a text. And I said, hey, I'm in Costa Rica at an ayahuasca ceremony, which my mom, I don't even think she knows what it is to this day. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it, and she can't pronounce it. You know, she's just like, it's a foreign world to her. I said, I'm, you know, I'm in the ceremony last night, and I described that series of events to her. And she said, wow, that's really interesting because that's exactly what happened when you were born. Mm-hmm. And that memory, even though it wasn't presented in a profound or meaningful or emotionally intense way, unlocked a massive key to my entire life and so many of the difficulties that I've experienced. And what the key was in its essence was a sense of abandonment and disconnection from the love and intimacy that an infant requires and the love and intimacy that would inherently be present in a natural birth in the wild by some hunter-gatherer people. (laughs) It's like how we've evolved, right? Mm -hmm. Baby's born and there's nurturing, there's connection, there's breastfeeding, there's oxytocin, there's pheromones, there's all kinds of stuff happening. So I'm wrapped up and sterilized and completely cut off from that experience. Mm -hmm. And so it's not, as my shirt says, remember everything. I mean, I don't know that I would have ever been able to connect those dots without that experience and also have that experience and that memory validated by someone in real time who's far removed from the experience. So my inability throughout childhood and my adulthood to experience and enjoy intimacy with other people, to have uh, deep heartfelt connections in romantic relationships and other platonic relationships, a feeling of isolation in the world, a feeling of, it could be in the the most crowded city or at an event with tens of thousands of people and just feel separate and feel alone. And that led to an understanding of why 
starting at a really early age, I sought out, you know, drugs and became a drug addict. Because it provided this sense of insulation and provided a false sense, I would say, of connection. Mm -hmm. It's the only way that I could access Mm -hmm. a feeling of safety Mm -hmm. and a feeling of not being alone. Mm -hmm. Right? So that's one example. I mean, there have been dozens of examples like that that have unpacked the mysteries of what makes me tick and not only unpacked them, but helped me to dissolve those patterns and and live and experience my life in a different way. You know, to, to learn how to connect with people, to learn that it's safe to connect with people. Well, some of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh. Once I became a person that was safe to connect with, I think I was able to resonate with and gravitate toward others with whom it was safe to connect. Mm-hmm. You know? so, but out of all the experiences I've had, and I've worked with a lot of medicines in the past few years, I don't think any of them have been able to take me as deeply into my past yeah. and suppressed and repressed memories oh and given me the ability to go in and <clears throat> actually, in a way, unravel that history and change that history, or at least change the way it affects me in real time now. I think it's probably safe to say that's why people say it's like 10 or 20 years of therapy and sometimes one night. Like you could go to therapy every week or twice a week for your whole life and probably never get to that deep subconscious program. I never could. And I had a lot of great therapy. Me too. <laughs> Me too. And, and, and I'm sure, and not to interrupt yeah. your story, but yeah. and I, to give credit where credit's due, I'm sure that all of the therapy and the other interventions that I employed to heal myself were absolutely relevant to all of the experiences I've had with psychedelics and plant medicines. Mm-hmm. Like having the psychological framework mm-hmm. and an understanding of what makes the human being tick to mm-hmm. some degree mm-hmm. have been instrumental in my ability to navigate those spaces and know what I'm doing and how to do it. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating that you share that because it, it brings up an experience that I had with my partner on ayahuasca. And it was one of the most profound nights because it showed me my daughter, my first daughter, it was a C-section, and it was an emergency C-section at 3 o'clock in the morning. And it was showing me what she had went through as her mother in a nervous system state of shock and then going into the incubator and feeling separate. And then Maria wakes up from her journey, which was loud and processing, and she said... I went through my birth and I said, Oh, she said, I was C-sectioned in the middle of the night and I was cut off from my mom and brought to the incubator. She, uh, she never knew that this was an experience. So she texted her mom the next day and she said, that's what happened. And she identified how that's what she's always felt also, you know, separate, alone, afraid. And she had a lot of trauma to work through and, I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing how a lot of that trauma has been transmuted. There's just a sense of safety. There's a sense of love. And we had to go within to get that. But I think it's fascinating that we had that on the same night. So there's an intelligence in ayahuasca. And that's what I wanted to ask you. What do you think this intelligence is? Man, it's, <laughs> it's so mysterious. Yeah. Really. You know, I know people that are more aligned 
an experience in the shamanic traditions, I mean, in the historical context of something like ayahuasca, it's viewed as a living, intelligent energy itself, the mm-hmm. plants, the mm-hmm. mixture of the plants, mm-hmm. right? And that, that's always been a bit of a stretch for me, even, even though I've had these experiences. I, I don't know that I have personally that framework of relationship, but it's something that I would like to explore and grow into. My personal experience of what happens inside is that it seems to open a portal Mm -hmm. into a multitude of dimensions. And within those dimensions, there are beings, energies that want to help me that are benevolent Mm -hmm. and they're friends, family members, partners, teachers. And I, and for me, it's never uh, been, you know, a Jaguar or an ET. It's, it's not that it's, it's not, doesn't have a face, doesn't have a voice, but they're there. Mm -hmm. And my sense is that as we sit here right now, all of that, hidden world of those other dimensions and all of those beings are also right here. Mm -hmm. But in order to function as an embodied humanoid and be in the world and operate here in the physical plane, our everyday senses limit some of that expression. Mm -hmm. Because if all of those dimensions were completely open to us as they are, say, in an ayahuasca ceremony, Mm -hmm. I mean, you couldn't even make it down the street, let alone get in a car and go to work and be productive and kind of play the earth school game. Mm -hmm. So I always get the sense that there's this, this grid that a facilitator or shaman, at least if it's if you're in good hands, this mm-hmm. is what I would hope to happen. And it's mm-hmm. been my experience that this happened this mm-hmm. way, that prior to the ceremony, there's an energetic cleansing of the physical space, an etheric cleansing of the space and the people present in the space, that prior to the administration of the medicine, create the optimal environment for those portals to open so that those portals are cleared of any obstruction or any possible negativity. I mean, I really feel that all of that is present all the time. Mm, All the time. But there's the limit of our senses, right? It's like we're, we're in a physical body, and so in the physical body, everything is limited by what we can perceive, smell, taste, hear, feel, all of that, right? But going within with whatever medicine, allows our spirit to travel without the confines of space, time, or matter. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. in those spaces, Mm -hmm. the allies of these plant teachers and Mm -hmm. these medicines sort of hold our hand 
and show us where to go, what mm -hmm. doors to open, how mm -hmm. to walk through those doors, mm -hmm. what's down the hall in that room. And it takes our spiritual will mm -hmm. to summon the courage to go there. But we have help. You know, we have help. And then, of course, in the, you, know, you open your eyes and if, if you need help, hopefully there's a human there that can yeah. go, okay, cool, we're, yeah. we're good. Go this way, go that way, right? I, isn't usually my experience that I need that kind of support. I feel that the support is coming from the consciousness of the plants and from my own higher self or my soul's yearning yeah, to evolve yeah. and to become more That's fully right. whole and integrated, you know? And it's just, it's absolutely fascinating. <laughs> the, I mean, the, the terrain that is available to us in the realm of consciousness is truly infinite. Right. And the strangest thing, going back to the birth thing, to me the strangest thing is the experience of the reality of time in our lives being, being shown as it truly is. It's like I need a chalkboard to like demonstrate, but we have a video, so I'll do my best, okay? So the way I experience this timelessness and, and why the time travel through that quantum realm is possible. Okay, here you have, let's call it the beginning of time. Here you have the end of time. But they really aren't there because it's infinite. Okay, there's no beginning to anything and there's no end to anything, right? But let's just say, okay, here's way back when, here's the things to come. And right here in this moment, in this interview, we think we're right here. And so we perceive that there is a time right here. And therefore, the us that was back here at 15 years old, the us that was here at three years old, the us that was there at birth, doesn't exist anymore. Let's not even get into the future and the manifestation, but let's just talk about the past in the, in the context of healing. Mm. In reality, all of that space that we call time is one moment, an eternal moment. Hmm. So the me sitting here with you now contains within my body and my experience the boy who was born and thrown in an incubator. It's like a Russian doll, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Here's the 52-year-old me, one more layer, one more layer. All of that time is here right now, and all of those iterations of me are here right now. Mm -hmm. That allows me to have a relationship with all of those parts of myself. Mm. And to use the wisdom that I've gained as an adult to reparent mm -hmm. all of those mm -hmm. timelines mm -hmm. that erroneously are believed to be in the past. Mm. There is no past. Mm -mm. There's one eternal, infinite moment. And the illusion that there's a now moment is merely created by my senses that only experience the eternal now as me sitting here with you. Mm -hmm. The 20 minutes ago when we started is the same moment that we're experiencing right now. That's right. And in the space of medicine, this is where, for me, the miraculous takes place. 
because I don't have to physically relive those experiences that shaped my life and who I am and those experiences that caused me harm or experiences in which I caused others harm. They're all still present and malleable Hmm. and can be reorganized so that my experience of who I am now is different and that I'm safe, right? Like that feeling of safety of just, I'm okay. The only time I lose the sense of safety and feel the need to escape or to numb, to run, is when I forget that fact. You forget? Yeah, that I forget that fact. That there's, <laughs> there's no past to run from. There's no future to hide from. It's all here. Mm-hmm. It's all real. It's all right now. You know, and that... I mean, I've achieved glimpses of that in meditation and other work that I've done over the years and, and sensed that that is how this works. Yeah. But medicine takes it out of a theory or a belief into direct experience. That's right. And a knowing, and to anyone listening to this or mm-hmm. watching this that thinks this sounds crazy, I... You know, I'm fine with that, yeah. right? It's like yeah. I'm not trying to convince any, just we've anyone. Just because we've experienced it. Anyone of, of the model that I'm working with, right. right? But this is the ultimate liberation, is knowing there's only one moment. And it's an infinite moment. And if you take that a step further, mm. all lifetimes before this lifetime and all lifetimes to come on the other side of this one are also taking place within that eternal moment, moment, right? So this lifetime that I'm living now that at times is so imbued with fear and anxiety about what's coming or regret or guilt or shame about what has come to pass is a scene in a movie that never ends. That's right. It's a right now a 52-year scene. Boop! a blip on the radar of my being an expression of consciousness over and over and over and over and over again in all of these different lives and all of these different likely dimensions, right? And that's something that is at times difficult to hold because the illusion of time, space, and matter is so convincing, right? I mean... If I walk out of here and my car's towed or I get hit by a guy on a scooter, then this becomes very real, right? But if, if I were to zoom out just as far as you could zoom and just look at all of the lifetimes, it's just one long moment. Yeah. With these brief punctuation points during which I volunteered to become embodied so that I could experience earth school That's right. and use it for the purpose of my consciousness evolving only to likely emerge back into pure consciousness. That's right. So when I'm able to grasp this within a more meaningful relationship to that reality, all of my problems and day-to-day bullshit become much less significant. And there's a much lighter... Less intense, lighter density. 
a lighter sense of being. There's less attachments. There's less need to control. That's right. It's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's the platform of surrender. What am I surrendering into? I'm surrendering into trust in consciousness, trust in God, which is trust in myself. Which that's where creation is birthed from. That place where, what did Jesus say? You must be like a child to enter the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is within. There are many doors inside the mansion. Like entering a childlike state of wonder, curiosity. You're not attached to the stories. You're not in low density. You're in light density. Carry a light yoke. I mean, all these scriptures yeah. that we've heard. What, that, I'm not that familiar with uh, biblical teachings, yeah. but one that I, I'm pretty sure is derived from the Bible is wear the world like a loose garment. Yes. You know, that, yeah. that one, I, I love that one. Yeah. I don't know what, you know, part of the Bible it comes yeah. from, but yeah. for some reason, that particular phrase I really relate to. As, as it pertains to what sure. we're talking about here, sure. it's just God. And then, you know, that, that makes life interesting, too, because, I mean, who's really able to do that perfectly while you still are in a body with emotions and needs and mm. the fluctuations of mm. energy and the influences mm. of the cosmos and other mm. people and mm-hmm. the matrix of control that has sort of got this grasp on our civilization and all of these things that are that are so dense use the word density like we're in this world of duality Mm -hmm. and the duality is seemingly necessary in order to play the game so there's a spectrum of experience right it's like if everything was this celestial angelic realm of pure light and love with no separation no duality no dark, no light, then there would be no contrast and no polarity. Therefore, we wouldn't have a game to play. That's right. <laughs> and maybe there are other dimensions. Maybe that's where we go and we die for a while. And maybe Next when you dimension. reach a certain point of development as a soul, maybe that's where you go. And maybe that's what guardian angels are. I don't, I don't know, right? Mm. But while we're here, the duality is real for all intents and purposes. And so how, how do we exist within a dual experience while tethering our awareness to the greater reality of non-duality. It's like, how do I live in a world of duality as a non-dual entity with a non-dual perspective? And that's what keeps life interesting because it always tricks you. Duality always always tricks you back into thinking that, that there's a dark and a light and a good and a bad and, you know, all of that, right? So it's like, oh, what a fun, this is a fun-ass game. Yeah. This is a fun-ass game because I'll have this deep moment of connection with you right here and I'll feel that I'm really speaking from the highest place of truth in myself and I'm going to feel, you know, the goosebumps of just like, yeah, we're here. This is it. We're in it. What else is there to talk about? And then it's likely, if not possible, that when we're done, I'll open that door and get a text or whatever mm-hmm. and it'll it'll mm-hmm. bring me back into the myopic focus of this 3d dualistic world and then i'll have the responsibility to remind myself oh no loose garment loose attachment to the text that's right to the meaning of the text to the traffic to whatever might transpire after this moment which isn't even this moment. The moment that comes after this is still this moment. 
right? What you, what you just shared resonates so deeply with not only what I believe, but what I know to be true, what I've experienced to be true. I think one of the, your story, and it's funny, your last name is story, but your story is so compelling and uh, like familiar because of the recovery and how that was like a lifeline for me for so many years and an anchor. And so was religion for a while. I, I, I took on to so many anchors um, that when it was time for, you said something, the yearning of my soul, there was a yearning, there was a knock. And it was about, you know, close to four years ago. And there were things yearning, my soul was yearning to, to go and under, to understand more, to heal, to expand. I didn't know this language then, but it was obvious that it was ready for something. And plant medicine began to present itself. And it was just like, it really was that internal battle I had to get to. But ultimately, my body intelligence won, and I listened to my body. And there are going to be a lot of people here, you know, watching that are probably asking that question, like, um, you know, the, the, the fear of the unknown. What if I lose my sobriety? Um, what if, what if Jesus, what if I don't get into heaven? <laughs> you say we live in this duality world, this low density world. So there is this game we have to play. Um, but thankfully I leaned and I went within. And when I had these experiences of experiencing my life, and my soul multidimensionally, where time was the illusion, birth was an illusion, death was an illusion, because I experienced myself infinitely in multidimensional states at one time. And I started learning about the third eye and the chakras, all the things you're not supposed to talk about in religion, right? It's like these things started opening up. And it's just been the greatest awakening the most expansive healing, the sense of safety, the safety of belonging, the safety of knowing, oneness, love, friendship, you know, sex, wealth. It, it's, it's, it's just a frequency. It's just a game. It's just a vibration. And there were times when, in different ceremonies, I remember one particular where I was going through death because it's time to go through what death, it was one of my biggest fears. And I was in ayahuasca and it was, it was really, really hard. But I knew my intention was to experience the fullness of love. And I remember going one hand, it was like death is going to take me away to darkness and unknowingness and I'll, I'll never exist again. It'll just be bleakness. <laughs> and then the other side was, God, I hope Jesus, you're real. I hope, God, you're real to save me. It was a God outside. This was the, so what it was really doing was deprogramming me. And then the body starts to heal naturally with the consciousness that, it, that I'm experiencing. The body just starts to heal. The screams, the cries, the laughter, the, 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 the puking, whatever it's going through. I've lost 25 pounds naturally. I... Um, I'm not doing the anxious, I'm not anxious around people anymore. I'm not depressed cycles. I don't fall into those old eating patterns of filling myself up and thinking I need to go to rehab again for food or these food retreats. And it's just a lot of those patterns have shifted for me. And there's just a sense of 
oh, I'm feeling a little heavy density right now. Maybe I need to just meditate or go swim in water or deep breaths or, oh, there's something I'm holding on to. The answers are within and I can just kind of feel in and, oh, okay. Like, I don't know, there's a sense of that all the answers, that I am the answer, that I am the medicine, I am the one, I am love, I am. There's nothing outside myself that I need. So I don't know if that resonates for you and if you found anything to be true around that. 1,000%, all of that. Yeah, I'd like to just speak briefly to the addiction recovery yeah, let's piece because you and I share. Yeah, we such, do. I mean, we have so many so just much, identical man. things in common. It's mm-hmm. crazy. I had a horse named Cookie once. You did? Yeah, growing really? up. And, and it I was have, spotted white and black. And I have a dog yep. named Cookie. There you go. One more thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I first made the decision to go sit with ayahuasca, I was sober 22 years. Mm. And I was one of the lucky few in recovery that had hit a low enough bottom where I fully conceded to the program of recovery mm-hmm. and was all in. Yeah, I mean, I can super into it. 12-step life, mm-hmm. you know, ride or die. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful for that. Me too. And um, when, <laughs> it's like you hear people say, oh, the medicine started speaking to me and started appearing. I mean, it was so weird the way it happened i i remember hearing maybe a few years before that there was this one guy in uh in my recovery program and you know a peripheral circle of friends and there were these rumors he went to brazil and did ayahuasca he's not sober anymore so i was like well i'm not gonna because i used to do a lot of acid and mushrooms when i was a kid and that was definitely off the table right i mean like i'm not doing psychedelic that's drugs right because i always did those drugs with a bunch of other with drugs. the other drugs yeah yeah so i started hearing about this guy he had done ayahuasca and everyone's kind of judging him and never for a moment did i think oh that sounds good i'll do that i was like oh he went out i mean i i looked at that as like he relapsed yep. you know on a drug yep anyway fast forward a few years I've, i'm hosting my podcast i'm starting to interview a diverse range of experts in the realms of spirituality and personal development and I start meeting people during these interviews and at different events at which I was speaking that were talking about ayahuasca and so just being curious about all drugs I'd ask them questions and I started hearing stories of how people had recovered from addiction using plant medicines and that was really a novel idea to me and one that was very interesting even though I was you know, 20, 21 years sober and felt very secure in my sobriety. I just thought, how can that be? That's, it's just a curiosity to me, right? In the paradigm of the model uh, of the 12 steps, complete abstinence is the key. And that was the key for me. Once I was willing to quit all drugs, including cannabis, then I was able to get sober. And any other time I had attempted sobriety before that, if I did any drug, even if it wasn't, you know, my quote, drug of choice, I would start doing all the drugs again. So complete abstinence worked for me. I thought, well, that's not abstinence. Anyway, I kept meeting people and the idea just started to take hold within me that maybe there was something there for me, not because I was active in addiction, but despite my miraculous recovery and the great success I'd had in so many different areas of life, 
I was deeply wounded and dysfunctional in romantic relationships, sex, codependency. Yep. That part of my life, I could not heal. I could not figure it out. And it was extremely destructive yep. to my well-being and the well-being of others with whom I engaged. But you had many, many years sober. Yeah. And so I didn't see ayahuasca as a potential for that. I just knew like, well, I got my shit together, but I would like to experience God in a more profound way. And I would like to have a more manageable life in these other areas. So anyway, long story short, I get a concrete invite to go to a retreat in Costa Rica. And it was an open invitation. It was free. Uh, I just have to cover my flight. So there were no barriers to entry except my fears around losing my sobriety date, the badge of honor that I had of mm -hmm. being able to tell someone I'm X year sober to take cakes at meetings and so on, right? More so than like what people thought, it was my identity. Well, who am I going to be on the other side of this? Yeah. I didn't think like I would start smoking crack and doing heroin again or something because I just felt very free of those obsessions. It was more like, am I still going to be a sober person? And if not, what kind of person am I going to be? You're right. And right? It's, it is a whole new language world yeah. paradigm. Yeah. So uh, I interviewed this uh, man who's a, a channel named Paul Selig. And he, whether you believe in this kind of thing or not, it was, his presentation is very convincing. So during the interview, I said, Paul, you know, I have no attachment to this idea, but if you feel it would be appropriate right now, could you ask your guides if it would be safe and advantageous for me to go and experience ayahuasca? And he tuned in for a moment and said, yeah, feels, feels right. I'm getting a yes. He tunes in, and this is on one of my podcasts. I forget the episode. It's still out there. And he tunes in, and the essence of his guide's message, and when his guides speak through him, it's quite clear that it's not him and mm -hmm. his persona doing the speaking. Mm -hmm. Let me just put it that mm -hmm. way. And the message that he got from them was that it would be completely safe for me to do, that it could be beneficial, but if I elected not to do it, I would be fine too, basically, you know? And I don't know, for some reason in that moment, he said that, the guide said that, combination of both. I was like, I'm in, I'm doing it. Booked the trip and was nervous. But by that time, I had enough trust in myself to know that my intentions were, were pure and that I wasn't deluding myself or using this as an excuse to go escape or get a freebie or something like that, right? But the unknown still was scary. So anyway, you know, go and sit in the first ceremony. And I'm reconciling within myself this whole time am I still sober after this? Like my definition of sober is you don't take any mind altering chemicals. Okay. Right. So I'm reconciling all of that. What does this mean? Do I have to let go of that? What do I tell my sponsor? Could I go back to a meeting? I can't talk about this, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Anyway, I'm really enjoying the beginning of the, the process of the ceremony. I'm feeling aligned, feeling very centered. And dude, the cool, one of the coolest moments of my life was after taking the first kind of primer cup of mm -hmm. ayahuasca, having some hape, sitting just like this on my mat, mm -hmm. 
and just feeling into it, waiting, feeling stone cold sober Mm -hmm. because the degree of presence that I was experiencing was very focused. You know, it was just like, like a deep meditation. They call for the second cup, have the second cup, go back to my mat. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like a kid waiting for Christmas morning. You know, I'm just like, what the fuck is about to happen? What's this gift that I've been guided to receive? And man, I will never forget sitting there 22 years sober. And that's a long time to not feel Mm -hmm. goofy at Mm -hmm. all on anything, right? I'm sitting there and I'm waiting just like for the slightest hint of different. And man, just, I mean, I can remember it now, just the, the, the texture of it, the flavor of it. It just starts to swirl and swirl and whoosh, And next thing you know, man, I am just in full send. And I remember being in that and I was so happy. Mm-hmm. People around me were puking and crying. I'm laughing my ass off. I'm free. Yeah. I'm free. Soul is completely free. And the idea of, you know, hanging on to this definition of myself as sober, not sober, just became silly, really. And I'm not saying it's silly for anyone listening or watching. Whatever your definition is, man, hang on to it. There's nothing like the gift of sobriety. But what happened was I asked myself, as it started to really overtake me, I said, okay, wow, this is beautiful. But am I still sober? Do I have to let that go? Because my sobriety is... It's the biggest gift God has ever given me, apart from being born. Mm-hmm. I know. To be released from that suffering, from that bondage. And I, I would never want to take that for granted. So, am I still that? Do I still have that? And this inner voice, or <laughs> the medicine, or God said to me so clearly not in a voice but just in inner knowing like said Luke you've never been more sober in your entire life as you are in this moment and when I was temporarily released from the confines of ego intellect emotions body sensations all of that and I'm in pure consciousness I don't know what's more sober than that yeah yeah right and in, in that moment, what happened was I accessed a level of trust in myself that I'd never had. It was, it was like a coming of age, mm-hmm. a rite of passage where things are different now. I'm different now. I mean, this is 20 minutes in, right? Mm-hmm. Things are different now. I'm different now. I don't care what I call how I live my life, sober, not sober, it's just meaningless now. And I feel more committed to my abstinence yeah. from the substances in my past that caused me and frankly, other people so much harm through my behavior. Yeah. I, I, there's like, I'm even more sober now, more committed to sobriety now. If you the next day said, hey, well, you did ayahuasca, you know, do you want to 
drink some vodka? It's like even more of a no, right? It's like, fuck no. This is real life now, right? It's, it's, the, it's the muscle that I built and the relationship with myself and my own inner integrity of knowing when it's time and when it's not time. And so far, I've never been steered wrong. Yeah. The way that I contextualize my sobriety now is that I have different relationships and different boundaries with different substances. Yeah. Each molecule and I that exist in the mind-altering chemical space have a different relationship. My relationship with alcohol has a very firm boundary. Yeah. My relationship with heroin, <laughs> real firm boundary. firm boundary. Cocaine, crystal meth, etc. Ironically, I have a great relationship with the coca plant and use it every day mm -hmm. in a non-isolated, non-chemical, non-extracted way. I use CBD every once in a while. I use a very tiny amount of THC. So I have relationships with all of these substances and I feel very confident in my relationship with them. I feel very comfortable. They're allies, they're friends. I'm grateful for heroin. I'm grateful for alcohol, crack cocaine. Crack cocaine saved my life because it, it destroyed me and it, oh. it caused such a depth of shame and self-loathing in me that it sped up my getting sober, you know? Same. So it's like, I'm grateful for the whole experience and I'm really grateful for the fact that I had the intuition and the courage to explore these realms that for some people in recovery could be scary and for some people in recovery, probably a no-go based on their own journey and where they're at. Yeah, their own journey and their own um, level of surrender and their own dedication and the security of their sobriety and, and their self-honesty, right? It's like I could delude myself into doing all kinds of things that would be inappropriate or harmful to me and my life, but I, I love my life and I love myself and I, I love the people in my life, like you and my wife and my friends and my family. It's like I am not doing anything to jeopardize that, but I'm also not going to deny or negate the very obvious benefits of my use of plant medicines and psychedelics. And when I've been called on this, which I have a couple of times, once, once by my dad, actually recently by my mom, and they said, hey man, kind of like, it's your life, but we see you on social media and your podcast and you're doing a bunch of drugs. What's the deal? And I'm, you know, I don't need to defend myself, but just to assuage their concerns. And yeah. I don't want them to worry or suffer because they don't understand how I'm living my life. I've said to them, listen, if you look at, without, with complete objectivity, every measurable metric of my life externally, I've never, ever been doing better than I am right now. Right my relationship, my, my wife, my marriage, my friendships, my finances, my business, the home I live in, the car I drive, my lifestyle, my physical health, my mental health, my emotional health. Every measurable aspect of my life has only improved, and in some cases improved unexplainably and exponentially since the day I took ayahuasca in yep. 2017. Same. And that's not a defense, it's not a rationalization, it's an objective fact. 
if I relapsed and changed the relationship with the other substances with which I had so much trouble before, mm -hmm. you would look at my life objectively and likely see something very different. I would lose my relationship. I would lose my home. I would burn my career to the ground. Yep. I would end up at best wandering the streets with a sunburn and fucking dreadlocks and feces in my pants and who knows where that would go. I know where it goes when I'm addicted. And I don't delude myself that it would be any different this time. And that, my friend, is what keeps me on the straight and narrow. Even though we're out of time, I feel like we could go another several hours. I knew this like would happen. Hours. Because I have yeah. so many I have so many things I want to dive into. And getting to know you, Luke, over the last six to nine months, I've I don't think I've ever met someone that shares that I, I reflect so many of my own so much of my own journey. Like your journey, uh, it felt like I met myself when I met you. Like I felt so much affirmation. I felt so much um, like I'm on the right path. And you're a beacon of light. You're a lighthouse. You're a channel. You're a portal. You're a pioneer. You're uh, an awakened teacher that. I mean, having owned treatment centers and detoxes and inpatient, outpatient aftercare facilities for a decade and watching people relapse over and over, 90 to 95% relapse rate, cycling in and out of addiction and centers and watching and being a part of an industry that is predominantly run by capitalism and insurance and the bottom line. There are so many people reaching out asking about plant medicine and because something just hasn't been working in the current healthcare model. And you see it also in a lot of friends of mine that are Mormons and in religion, that's not been working either and they're coming out. I think what's happening collectively is we've, I think there's like an uprising of consciousness in all these different types of sectors, whether it's recovery, religion, personal development, the souls are yearning for more. Our collective is yearning for more because we know something has not been working. So I just want to say thank you for being an early awakener and pioneer and coming out and having your courage, coming out, sharing your truth, sharing your light, sharing your love, sharing like your experiences because it's causing a major ripple for our collective. And um just so grateful to know you and to know that. You too, brother. Yeah. You too. Yeah. Thank you so much. I mean, that's the beauty about the nature of consciousness, right? Yeah. Is if we want to see a better world manifest. <laughs> what does Gandhi say? Start yeah. with yourself. Yeah. It's like, it's, be the change you want to see made. It's so true. And, and, it's, and that you will be judged and you will be laughed at and you will be hated. I mean, it's the ultimate it's message. So, of, it's so counterintuitive, yes, right? It's right. like, say I look outside on the street and there's graffiti all over the buildings. I would think, man, I need to go out and clean up this graffiti yeah. or arrest those kids that are spraying their graffiti. No, I work within on my consciousness and I share my light and my consciousness by simply being who yeah. and what I am yeah. 
And that yeah. rising tide yeah. rises those rises ships. The tide rises this tide around us. It's like if you have a holy temple right here, the consciousness which you do, <laughs> which yeah, we're sitting thank in. Thank you. You know, the consciousness of this temple is what's going to stop the graffiti, not fighting against it, right? right? It's not the resistance to it, the opposition to it. That's right. It's the elevation of consciousness. Everything in culture, everything in society is downstream from consciousness. It's all downstream. Uh, we're lucky to have podcasts and books and your voice and your presence because a lot of people are, I see it every day, walking in here asking questions and and they're curious about how they too can deprogram from all the stories and unlock what we have been able to unlock. And I, I can tell you, I have the juiciest, most joyous, most loving, present life I've ever had. And yeah, I sit with plant medicine. I sit with plant <laughs> medicine, you know, yeah. sometimes once a month I'll sit in. If, if I'm called to a ceremony, if I'm called... And for me, it's such a, such a sacred journey. And I still get nervous before I sit because I know that default mode network <laughs> is going to go to sleep. Oh, and then man. it might be a little bit hard to let go. But once I do, what do you say? You're off. Yeah. And it's yeah. like the experience of expansion and healing begins to happen organically, naturally. Psychedelics scare the shit out of me, David. Yeah. And I'm so glad that they do. Yeah. Because it keeps me in check. That same. I don't, I don't take it lightly. Either, it's not a game. It's not. It's not something to be flirted with. Nope. It's serious fucking work and serious business. Yeah. That's one thing I forgot to say, actually, during this conversation is, you know, it's the discernment and intentionality, mm -hmm. the attention to the integration of what's learned. As much as I, you know, I just kind of as a joke wore yeah. my ayahuasca shirt today and I was like I don't know if I even should wear that shirt I don't want to be promoting that everyone needs to do this and I will say here patently and clearly I don't think this is for everyone and if you feel that it's for you it's so important to do so mindfully mm -hmm. because uh, it, it, it these realms are not for the faint at heart and what, right. what you can find there and um discover about yourself and the things that can be felt take a lot of courage and uh yeah. and, and one must be prudent yes you know i love the yes. word prudence yeah it means rational concern without worry mm. so agree. yeah another way of saying yeah. discernment not maybe, to worry right? but just real yeah. concern and prudence is a, is a principle of the 12 steps that's it where is. i learned right. it yeah we could, we could probably write a book books on all the benefits that it's brought to our life. Yeah. But if there's one thing, we'll, leave, we'll end on this. If there's one thing that I could take away is that I have all the, the answers are all right here. And all I have to do is, is know that I'm safe, create safety, that I am one with consciousness, I am one with God, and everything is right here. There's no more reaching. There's no more trying to fit in. There's no more trying to get something to feel different. And that this, these cells are filled with love. And, and I get to create. I get to choose with love. To end this session, what would you say the biggest, biggest message from Luke's story to the world? What is it? <laughs> I think you just said it. The only thing that's real and the only thing that matters is love, mm. period. Mm -hmm. 
And that's it. That's always the answer to everything. As you said earlier, that's all all of this is anyway. (laughs) Yeah, and and that might sound uh, sort of naive, right? Like love and light. But once you experience the depths and you're in a journey and you take that first breath and you're experiencing it, like it's like it's held together through love. Yeah, and love is the only thing that makes going into the shadows and into the darkness possible. possible. That's the shield that makes us able to navigate those dark and scary realms. You know, it's a love for ourselves. It's a love for the human condition. You know, I've met a couple uh, true enlightened masters Mm -hmm. in in my life, and I think just their mere presence has had a huge impact on me. And sometimes when I'm caught, I imagine how would they respond to the situation? You know, would they be triggered? Would they be caught? Would they be uh, tempted to uh, punish or retaliate? Right? Would they attack they defend and I just picture them they would just love it (laughs) they would just love I just laugh the whole fucking thing off you know and so that's that's always kind of my my lighthouse it's like oh okay I know what it looks like and and I'm working to get there it's good to have you on the show today man so fun so uh, fun thank you so much the next time we'll dive into many more topics yeah thanks man I appreciate it thank you Thank you for joining us today on the Going Within podcast. The Going Within podcast is sponsored by Within Center. Within is a ceremonial psychedelic assisted wellness center in the heart of Austin, Texas. Discover more about our transformative practices at within.center. If you enjoyed this episode, we kindly invite you to follow us and share your thoughts with a review. Going Within is hosted by David Naylor, production led by Patrick Stanger, and filming and production by Rare Media. Please note the statements made on Going Within have not undergone evaluation by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. At Within, we strongly recommend consulting your health care provider for personalized guidance on the diagnosis and treatment of any disease or condition.